pretty much sums up an entrepreneur's mindset. Pretty much every single entrepreneur that I have come across, they are anxious and they are bloody ambitious. Hello, and welcome to the Anxious and Ambitious podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm on a mission to change the way that we think about anxiety. Oftentimes, it can feel like anxiety can get in the way of our ambitions, and I'm here to tell a different story. In each episode, we'll explore how we can manage our anxiety, heal our nervous system, and conquer our fears so we can shine as our most authentic self, go after our biggest dreams, and achieve our greatest ambitions. You'll hear stories from people who have been there themselves and strategies from experts who can help you thrive. Are you ready? Let's do this. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by John Katsavos. John has been a personal trainer for 13 years, and he's been in and out of the martial arts world for the past 30 years. After battling with depression and isolation and a brief thought of attempting suicide in his mid-20s, he knew he had to change. He started doing little things, and over time, he's developed a system that helps people to control depression through exercise, healthy eating, and martial arts, as well as taking a holistic approach to all of this. Hi, John. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, uh, Nicole. Yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation, and I have a lot that I want to dive into, but I'd love to start off by hearing a little bit more about you, and in particular, I'm curious about what is something interesting that you feel like most people don't know about you? Um, I have a fear of walking downstairs, and um, it's because uh, this is a weird thing that I have. I actually fell down a flight of stairs. Uh, it, it it was pitch dark and it was like five, five o'clock in the morning, pitch dark. And I missed the top step and I just did a whole tumble all the way down to the very bottom. One, I'm lucky to be walking Two, I'm lucky to be alive. And, um, I walked out of it, quote unquote, walked out of it with the mild, uh, moderate concussion, black eye. And that's about it. Oh my gosh. So it's a warranted fear. (laughs) Yeah, it's a warranted fear. And that's an interesting one. I mean, I'm sure not that many people have a a fear of going downstairs, but ironically, I actually have the same fear. I think I had a similar incident when I was a kid. And so, especially if I'm going down a hill really fast or downstairs, I need to like go slowly, grab the railing. So very interesting. And so what does the phrase anxious and ambitious mean to you? To me, when I hear people say anxious and ambitious, and when I heard about your podcast, I'm like, it it pretty much sums up an entrepreneur's mindset. Pretty much every single entrepreneur that I have come across, they are anxious and they are bloody ambitious. And um, it's hard for somebody to just settle because just settling is not good enough. And you always want to push yourself further to see how much, how further can I go? What can I do? Like, where can I, where can I, where this, where's this path going to lead me to? So when I hear it, I, I hear people who are curious about their life. They're not exactly sure where their quote unquote happiness is going to be. And they just want to push themselves. 
Yeah, totally. And I think you're so right. I, I've noticed the same thing. Every entrepreneur that I've spoken with has had some experience of fear or anxiety. And that's really what led me to starting this podcast to inspire other people that just because you're anxious doesn't mean you can't be ambitious. And so how has fear and anxiety played into your journey as an entrepreneur and personal trainer? Um, It's weird because if you ask me this about 10 year, 10, 15 years ago, I would have told you I'm not an anxious person at all. I'm the most chill person that you could ever find. But I remember I was um I was driving, I was driving home from LA Fitness back in Toronto. And uh I was crossing the highway, the Don Valley parking lot. And I was coming up uh, Don Mills and to to go home. And I was in my car. It was about 11, 10 o'clock, 10, 11 o'clock in the afternoon. And the windows were up. It was a spring, it was a chilly spring day. So the windows had to be up. And this heat wave just came over me and I couldn't breathe. And I was like, I was freaking out. I'm like, what is going on? I rolled down the windows. I'm like, I, I need air. I need air. Like I couldn't breathe. And I'm like, I just had a panic attack out of nowhere. I have no idea where it was. Well, okay. You know, working for LA fitness, you're not making the best money in the world, but, and you know, money was tight still. Well, kind of is still new country, new start, (laughs) but, um, it really gave me a different insight on what, you know, anxiety really is. And when people are anxious, I can't speak for everybody because everybody's so individualized, but with me, when I become anxious, I become quiet and I shut down. Mm. So it's, I was able to identify that. And now moving forward from that, from then on, it's like, okay, I'm starting to shut down now. This was this, I don't want to get back there again, because that was a horrible feeling. It was absolutely horrible. So I forced myself outside. And I found in the past that whenever I do go outside, you know, uh, you know, fresh air, more space, it, it, it helps. It helps me a lot. The fear part, the fear, I have a very interesting uh, relationship with fear. Um, I enjoy fear. I see it more as a friend, as a companion, more than anything, because I, he's, fear is my greatest teacher always tell me when I'm doing something wrong. Mm. You will never, fear will never lie to me. If I'm doing something wrong, I will know right away. If I'm doing something right, will know me right away. It will tell me right away. Mm. So I don't look at fear as, you know, oh, I'm I need to shut down. I need to hide. I need, I'm like, no, what are you trying to tell me right now? And I, I, I learned that through martial arts, I'll be honest with you, Mm. because in martial arts, they do put you in situations that is extreme fear. So you have two options. You can either shut down and die, or you don't die in the dojo or the gym, but like (laughs) simulated (laughs) death, or you figure out a solution because there's always a solution. You just haven't seen it yet. Sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. You just haven't accepted the solution at that time. Once you accept that solution, then you'll see there was nothing to be afraid of. 
I love this unique outlook on fear. And I, I like that you also mentioned that your experience of anxiety was maybe sometimes a little bit different than what we typically think of with anxiety being like hyperactive and, you know, all this overthinking, you really became smaller and shut down. And I think everybody's experiences of anxiety and fear are so much different. But to me, it's really interesting how even though we have these different experiences, the same tool or resource can sometimes provide similar level of relief, even if it's showing up in different ways. So can you tell me a little bit more about how martial arts has helped you overcome this fear? Yeah, because I, I, well, I, I typically dabbled in three martial arts, uh, Shotokan Karate, uh, Muay Thai kickboxing and the more the thing that I've dabbled in the most is uh, Russian martial arts Sistema and Shotokan karate and uh, and uh, Muay Thai kickboxing they they don't really deal with that kind of emotional stress up front you have to deal with it on the back end kind of well i call it on the back end so that you know when you get into when you go to a tournament you go you know you know you're going to go to the tournament get you you're going to get beat up you know walk out with at least a bloody nose or a broken rib or something you're going to walk out with something so there's a lot of fear what a lot of people don't see with especially with these ufc fighters is what happens before they walk into the ring two hours before they walk in a week before the fight a lot of them I'll tell you right now, a lot of them, they want to miss the fight because they know what they're walking into. You, they're either going to walk, they're either going to walk out with a black eye at the very best, or they're going to end up in the hospital. Nobody wants a black eye. Nobody wants to go to the hospital, but these fighters, men and women they build up the courage. They have a lot of coaches behind them that help them with that courage to get there. So with Sistema, it's different because it's more present. Like I said, we put you in situations where you are going to be afraid. And then we give you the tools while you're in the situation so that you can make it your own. The tools are simple. Breathe, then move. So what's the first thing that happens when you when you when you're in a situation and you're and you're, you know, it, shitting your pants? You stop breathing. Stressful situations. The very first thing that happens to you is you stop breathing. You, <laughs> and with that big inhale and that tension, you stop moving. So when you can control your breath, you can control your movement. And if you can control your movement, you can control the situation, whatever it is from being held gunpoint or knife point to a stressful boardroom situation, focus on your breathing. If it's stressful and then focus on your movement and you'll see how a solution will unravel by itself. Oh, I love that. I think it's so cool that martial arts helps you to I guess, develop that new relationship with fear so that you can practice, you know, doing the breath and then the movement again and again. Because like you said, fear so often is combined with that lack of breath. And I think they say that it's it's activated in your brain the same way as excitement. And the only difference is that you're not breathing. Yeah. Um, so that's so cool that you, you um, have learned this way to practice it 
so that when you actually get into these real situations of fear, you can move forward. And so I know for many of us, though, when we hit that wall of fear, it can be difficult to even breathe, right? (laughs) So how do you help your clients to navigate fear in their lives? Focus on your breathing. That's all it is. It's as simple as that. Focus on your breathing. Um, I have this one exercise that I actually push on my clients with a free seven-day program that I what that I used to run, and I'm going to be bringing it back sh- uh, sh- soon. Is a five-day movement challenge, and it's trying to connect your breathing with your walking, with your steps. This is a very basic exercise that we do in Sistema to connect your again your breathing with your movement so that you can instead of just you know mindless walking you're focusing on something that's important which is your breath so it's the way we do it is um it, uh, I'll, I'll I'll do my best to explain it so it's one step inhale one step exhale the next right after that one in one out is one two steps inhale two steps exhale and what you want to do is you want to increase your steps with one inhale and in and keep the same amount of steps as an exhale and once you feel that level of fear that level of i can't take in another breath i can't continue this breath you go backwards to one in one in one out and then when you come back forward to let's say it's five in five out you'll notice that you'll be at six in, six out, and then back to one in, one out. And then it'll so, you'll, you slowly start to increase the amount of steps that you can take with one inhale and one exhale. I mean, I used to be able to do, not bragging, 18 steps in, 18 steps out, but not, not anymore. I haven't done that in a while. So I'm probably at five in, five out before I start throwing a fit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. But that's a great exercise because I think a lot of the time we hear focus on your breath, but especially if you're in the middle of that fear or feeling anxious, focusing on your breath can just make you feel like you're hyperventilating. So mm-hmm. I like this idea of tying it to movement and and slowly slowing down the breath in that way. And something like that can actually translate into other parts of your of your life, like because you're because you can control your breath and connect it with your movement, you'll be able to notice other things during, let's say, let's a walk, a walk in the park. You know, instead of doing mindless things and letting your mind wander to some negative stuff, because that's normally what we're wired to do is tend let our brains wander to some negative crap that's happened to us in the past or in the present or, um, why why aren't we on the right track for our future kind of all that all that's nonsense we're all on the right track for our futures um it removes us and it gives us an actual thing for us to focus which is our breathing when i run when i used to run i never listened to music i was too busy focusing on my breath how's my breath affecting my heart rate is my heart rate beating faster than it was before? And if it was, I need to, I need to, in, I need to slow down my breathing. Right. I knew that if I was taking five steps in during a run, five steps in, five steps out, my heart would be pounding through my chest. 
But if I went down to three steps in, three steps out, I'm comfortable. I can maintain that pace. And that's how I maintain my pace. I maintain my pace through my breathing, not the speed that I thought that I could run, but through my breathing. I love that. And I feel like this idea of tying it with your steps, it can also become almost like a, um, I know I can't think of the word, but you, you have like something external to tie that internal mechanism too. So I can picture it like, okay, now I've been practicing doing these steps with my breath. And let's say I'm in a situation where I'm not even walking. Like I'm at a, a job interview and I'm starting to get this anxiety and fear build up. Then you could potentially even just like tap your toes inside your shoes and breathe like that. Have you ever done anything like that? I haven't tapped my toes, but um, I would use my breath to identify where my tension is in my body. Um, this took a little bit of time. I'm not going to say that, you know, I, you know, I did two classes in substema and I already, you know, can identify the tension in my body through my breathing. No, that's nonsense. It took me about two, two years to do that. <laughs> it was like two or three years, but you can use it as a tool to identify tension as well. And when you can identify the tension, remember the second step that I said, movement. Move. Yeah. Move, move that body part. So if my tension is in my shoulder, I'm breathing and I notice, okay, my, my lats a little bit tight. My back is a little bit tight. Okay. Here, let me just move my shoulder to make it a little bit loose. All right. Now that feels better. Mm. Try be anxious while you're relaxed. Mm. Yes, this is so true because that feeling of anxiety is accompanied by so much tension and I've heard somebody else say, you know, if you're feeling anxious, wiggle your hips. Like if you're moving your hips, you can't feel stressed or upset. But I like that idea of identifying where you're holding that tension using your breath. Yeah, we, um, there's other, there's other aspects to it too, but that's the, that's the main key that, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing because a lot of people. They have a hard, I think you and I talked about on my podcast, they have a hard time, uh, um, self-awareness. They have a hard time with that. It's like, you don't know whether, you know, you're stressed or you're not stressed because you, you see, you've seen it all the time. It's like, you know, dude, you got to relax. What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, oh, uh, okay, buddy. Okay. You need to like, yeah. Okay. Breathe. <laughs> yeah. So, a big thing is self-awareness, being aware. And I, I, I think Sistema has other ways of making you aware, like a couple of strong punches to the solar plexus. You become well aware of stuff very quickly. Oh my gosh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I have not had those punches to the stomach, but I can imagine. And I like that you highlighted this idea of the awareness because I think that is so key in managing any emotion that we're dealing with, whether that be anxiety or fear or anger or even sadness. And I know a lot of the work that you help your clients with is managing their depression in a holistic way. And so what got you into this work in helping people with their mental health? Because I know you're also a personal trainer. Well, it's part, it comes into a big part of um, personal experience with dealing with depression, dealing with uh, isolation, um, dealing with, you know, what introverts have to deal with on a daily basis. Um, 
back here. And like you said in the intro, back in my early 20s, I almost committed suicide. I almost jumped off a bridge because I, my entire world went into a, such a downward, sp- downward spiral. And um, my saving grace was an incident that I had on the bridge. And just little steps, little by little, you know, weird, weird things. Like I was, I I had an entire year of negative self-talk in front of the mirror. And that after that incident, I I was like, okay, I, I just, I literally took a blanket. I would put it over the mirror so I wouldn't see myself in the morning while I'm washing my face, brushing my teeth. I do it with a blanket on top of the mirror. I don't, I didn't want to see myself. And then like when my parents and my sister would be out to work, I was jobless for a year. I would go out for a walk around the block, just around the block. Just, I I was doing little simple stuff in order for me not to feel better, just not to be in the house. And it wasn't up until I, when I got the job, uh, when I got a job at the universal ATM as an armed guard, (laughs) I lied on my gun applications. (laughs) 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 I, I, I don't, I don't suggest people to lie on anything. Um, and it wasn't up until then where things started to get a little bit better because I, I got a job. I was making some money. My, I quieted my debtors and I put myself in the gym because I remember uh, the happiest part of my life was when I was working out and in martial arts. That was the happiest time in my life before Sistema. So I couldn't afford to go back to Sistema. So I was just at the gym. Um, I had another another I, um, thought process, negative thought process on the way back from the drop. And um, I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't be having these bad thoughts. I can't think that, you know, I, the thought was my messenger. The messenger was the crew chief of the, of the, of the crew. Uh, he's not fast enough. He's not, he's not fast enough for me to grab my gun, put it in my mouth and pull the trigger. He's not fast enough to stop me. After that thought, I'm like, this has, this has to stop. I can't go on living like this. So that's when I really started to change my diet. I started to change, uh, you know, I started to change my diet. Another job came around, a better paying job came around. I took it. I got myself back into martial arts and um, here I am still dealing with depression. Like it's not something that you get over. I don't care what anybody says. (laughs) Yeah, I am totally with you. I think any any sort of mental illness or even just any emotion, you can't expect that once you get through that, you're never going to experience it again. Um, and so I know that you said fitness and martial arts played a huge role in helping you to get out of the house. And for me, I know fitness has played a huge role in just helping me to get out of my head, right? And so how has fitness um, played into your mental health journey? It's huge. It's my release because I don't have martial arts now in my life because uh, I left Toronto uh, living in the U.S. now and uh, starting over in a new country is not the easiest thing. But 
I do have the gym. And throughout my entire career, I've been in the gym for 30 years working out, not as a professional trainer, just working out. I've used, I've been able to use it as an outlet for all this negative, all the negativity in my head. Think of it this way. When I go to the gym, I work out by myself. I don't want to spotter. I don't want to make friends. It's not my place to make friends. It's my place for me to let go of whatever nasty stuff is going in my head. When I look myself in the mirror, and this is a trick me and my friends used to, used to use, we would let it all out. All the negative talk, all the negative ideas that we had, and we would let it out at the gym. And if we were having a problem with it, we would have our spotters call us that while we're doing our workout. This, is, this technique has been used by top-level bodybuilders top-level fitness models, top-level, you name it. When you want to get that level, you need that negative You need that negative release. And, what, it, it, and it works twofold because, one, you have the ability to let it all out, and, two, you have a physical outlet as well. So you're getting... When you walk out, when I walk out of the gym, I'm smiling. I don't care how crappy my day is. I'm smiling. I'm like, good morning. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. When I'm in the, when I walk into the gym, do not talk to me because I could snap on you. Mm. So I use it as a, as a physical place, as a physical outlet for me to get rid of all my nastiness. Yeah. And it's so important for me. Yeah, I think that's genius. I mean, I know a lot of people who are really into working out and bodybuilding. This is half the reason that they end up loving it so much because, you know, you're always hearing, oh, the gym is like therapy. Mm -hmm. But I really like this idea of um, focusing on letting go of your negative self-talk while you're at the gym. Because sometimes if we're trying to just break down our negative self-talk, then we end up getting stuck in the spiral. So being able to do that with some sort of physical release is genius. And it's way more than just creating positive talk to replace that negative talk, but actually allowing yourself an outlet for that release. And I think movement plays such a big role in releasing that emotion, as we even kind of talked about before with martial arts. Yeah, I think. I think it's important to have the positive talk in there too, but you need that, you need that darkness. You need that darkness in your life. You need to see what it, what it's there, what it, what it, because it does have value. Now I did a, I did a solo cast a while ago, a, a little bit ago about this stepping into your darkness. It's critically important to understand what that darkness, what that negative talk is trying to tell you because it, is trying to tell you something. Yeah. And I think so many of us, we just avoid even listening to that voice, right? Because we're told, oh no, think positive, say your affirmations, etc." But you're so right that we need to lean into that darkness and like, listen to the fear, listen to that negative voice for a moment to hear what it has to say, because you can't really just push it down. No, it's you can't. If you do push it down, it's going, it's going to come up in a different way. 
and it's not going to be a nice way. Now, what I was talking about in that podcast was it's okay to listen to it, to try to understand it. You need to give it a voice, but you don't necessarily have to act on it. Like if it's telling you, you know, I want to go kill these people. No, don't do that. We don't want to do stuff that's going to negatively affect other people or yourself, especially. Look, why do you have that thought? I've had that thought. I've, I've had that thought. If this guy talks to me, I'm going to do. Why am I thinking like that? There's a reason why I'm thinking like that. That person did nothing to me. Right. There's something deeper inside of me that I need to look at. And the gym for me allows me that outlet to get rid of it without harming anybody. And I'm not the type of person where I want to hurt anybody. And anybody listening, I don't want anybody to hurt anybody. I don't even want you to hurt yourself. What I do want you to do is listen to, the, listen to whatever darkness it is. Don't act on it. Just give it a voice and try to understand where is it coming from. It'll, a solution will pop up, a positive solution, one that will move, make, make your life move forward. Mm, yeah, I love that you talked about that because I think a lot of us, we hate on ourselves for having that voice and we question where is this coming from or we don't even like to talk about it, right? And so how have you developed more of a, I guess, a relationship with that voice of fear? No, that's Sistema. Sistema, yeah. <laughs> that's Sistema. Um, the, the amount of soul searching I've done in Sistema is remarkable. If you go to any other martial arts school, if you see, uh, if you see a pair wrestling together uh, and, a, and, a third, and two, another pair comes in and joins in on, on, the, on the pair and they make it like a, like a off like a like a brawl kind of thing, hmm. a wrestling brawl, they'd get annoyed. They would get annoyed because it's like, how dare you, how dare you come into my training session with this person? And Sistema is like, yeah. I remember one time, I'll never forget this. It started off with uh two guys wrestling and I was wrestling with another partner. And uh I I was like, I was just being, I was just, I just wanted to be a jerk. I'll be honest with you. I just wanted to be a jerk. So we get, I, I see, I see one of the guys, he was being a little bit tight. So with his partner and I looked at my partner, I'm like, let's go, let's go help this guy. And both of us got in there and the entire class got involved and it just turned out to an all out brawl. It was about, oh it was a 20 person brawl. And I challenge anybody out there. You get into a brawl with 20 people. You will, if you're tense, you're going to have a very bad day. Everybody was relaxed. Everybody was moving. Everybody was smiling. We were laughing. We were, we were joking around. It was so much fun. It was like, we were like kids playing in the playground. And I think that's the biggest thing that I have with fear is that I've learned to play with it like a child in the playground. Wow. I love that. I can't even imagine being in a brawl of 20 people and not feeling tense and fear though. So how, when you're in that situation, do you, do you maintain that state of calmness? You have to come, you have to come into the mindset that one, 
One, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hit. Two, so you're going to feel contact from someone. Some way, somehow, you're going to feel contact. So that, that right there, you just have to let go. Two, you have to trust that you already know what the answer is. So what, whatever strike, grab, choke comes to you, you already know what to do. You just have to trust in yourself that you're going to do it. Three, focus on your breathing as usual and move. Just keep moving. You know the two things are going to happen. You just got to focus on your breathing and your movement and you'll be fine. Right. And if you were to have stayed still and, you know, forgotten that movement piece, then you're probably just going to get jostled around and get way more injuries. <laughs> By 40 fists and 40 and 40 feet. Oh my gosh. I can't <laughs> even imagine. That makes me stressed just thinking about it. <laughs> but I can see how that would help you to develop a new relationship with fear and, and learn to manage this adrenaline in a, in a place that's truly safe because even though you know of course you could get injured you could end up with a broken rib like it's unlikely that you're going to actually die in in that situation right yeah 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 and i think it's cool that martial arts has played into your mental health because i know a lot of the time we think about it as you know it's like a physical exercise that you can do i know a lot of us think about it as like a mindfulness as well but i know you take like a very holistic approach to fitness and you talk about the four pillars of fitness so can you briefly walk us through what those four pillars are in your eyes? Um, sure. The four pillars of fitness are uh, nutrition, rest and recovery, exercise, and mindset. Um, I have a different approach when it comes to, I know a lot of you know, big box gym managers out there want to tell you it's a 60-40 slip, uh, split of, between exercise and nutrition, 60% nutrition, 40% exercise. But the reality of it is for 51% of, of it is rest and recovery. 47% of it is, yeah, 47% of it is nutrition. Half a percent is, sorry, one and a half, 2% is uh, exercise. It is exercise is that small. And mindset, mindset falls into the rest and recovery. Uh, I just pull it out because it's such a huge, huge topic that it needs to be really looked into. And it takes a long time to develop mindset, mindfulness of, of yourself and of, you know, how to connect mind and body together in the gym so you can get the maximum results that you're looking for. Yeah. And so what do you feel like out of those four pillars is the most common pillar that people tend to neglect rest and recovery, mostly because they haven't made that connection that, you know, what you do outside the gym is more important than what you do inside the gym. Like when you're inside the gym, you're not building anything. You're destroying, you're just, you're, you're tearing muscle fibers apart. Um, hopefully you're not tearing any connective tissue. Uh, <laughs> you're, <laughs> You're, 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 you're ripping very, very little, but you are ripping some nerve, nerve, um, nerves that are connecting to the, in, to the muscle itself. Not much, but enough. So when you leave the gym, 
and you go into the rest and recovery phase, which in, technically should include nutrition because nutrition is part of the rest and recovery phase. A lot of people there, that whole thing is out of whack when it comes to proper sleep times, proper wake times, proper when should you be working out is very important throughout the day. And I'm falling into the uh, circadian rhythm. Um, I don't know if you're aware of the circadian rhythm that we have. Yeah. So when we can align ourselves to the circadian rhythm, the results that we get in the gym will magnify tenfold. Hmm. Can you share a little bit more about what you mean by that with the circadian rhythm? Sure. Uh, so the circadian rhythm is our sleep-wake cycles. And during these cycles, we have two main hormones that are active or dormant. During the, between 6 a.m. and 9, 9 a.m., cortisol levels, which is our work hormone, skyrockets. Between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m., peaks to the cortisol levels peak to uh peak until 12 around noon and then they start to taper off at about two o'clock two ish 2 p.m from 2 p.m to 6 p.m it crashes that's why between those hours you get that afternoon lag everybody's like oh i want a nap it's because the cortisol is starting to dump from our from our bodies and from 6 p.m till 10 p 10 10 30 p.m it kind of tapers off and goes to null. At 10 p.m., 10, 10.30, melatonin level skyrockets. Melatonin is the repair hormone, and it stays high from 10 p.m. till 6 a.m. Now, what the, the, the interesting thing with melatonin is that it, it works in two phases, roughly two phases. Between 10, 10.30 p.m. and 2 a.m., it's in our physical bodies repairing everything from bones to connective tissues to joints to muscles to eyeballs to your tongue to your nose everything whatever organ as well from 2 30 to 6 a.m it it gets drained from the body and it gets put into your brain so it does a psychological repair psychological and physical repair of the of the brain that's why a lot of these yogis and mystics, they all say they all want to wake up at uh, three o'clock in the morning because it's uh, it's the magic hour. It's not the magic hour. You just have a crap load of melatonin in your brain and you're the most creative at these hours. The problem I have with this is when you wake up at 2.30, your body your brain is telling your body subconsciously it's telling your body i need to be up and when i need to be up i need cortisol to be up so you're not only just have melatonin high in your brain cortisol levels spike as well and we need cortisol to be no we don't need it to be high we need it no so that melatonin can work i per, i'm personally i love the 5 a.m club me too <laughs> I, I understand what I'm doing, but I'm also my most creative. But at that point, I know, okay, majority of the time, the melatonin has done the most of its work on my, psych on my psyche and my physical brain. I can risk an hour. It's not a big, it, it's a big deal, but not really. 
where this comes into a problem during the wake times is when we go to the gym, for example, after work, let's say 6 p.m., most people go to the gym at 6 p.m. 6 p.m., remember when I said it starts to taper to null cortisol. What we do when we go to the gym is we increase our cortisol levels once again because the body needs cortisol to do work. We're doing a lot of work at the gym, an hour, hour and a half. So it'll spike up at six o'clock, whatever, and stay spiked for two, three hours, even after the gym. And then it'll start to do its normal, normal taper that it was supposed to do. So I don't, me, ideally, I know a lot of people are going to argue with me, John, you know, I don't have, I don't have the luxury to go to the gym at 12. Oh, that's crap. Everybody takes a lunch. You got to eat for lunch, right? <laughs> so you think 12 really is the best time, not the morning, not the evening. The morning, early morning, if you can go to the gym, like 6am, anytime between 6am and noon would be ideal for me. Because you're, you're utilizing that spike of cortisol uh, through that time. So it's just a normal spike for the body. So yeah, anytime between 6 a.m. and noon, it's a great time to go to the, great time to go to the gym. It's just afternoon. It's a little sticky. It's, it's a little sticky. Yeah. But it's funny because I know you worked at the gym and I've worked at a gym before too. And that those between six and 12 are like probably the least busy hours. I mean, you have those few people that come for their early morning workout, but it's when like 4 PM, 5 PM hits when kids are getting out of, you know, high school kids are getting out of school, go into the gym and they're like herds of 10 men that they go in and, you know, five o'clock people get out of work and go. And I think it's so important that you made this distinction because a lot of the time we're like, well, I'm putting fitness into my routine. So it's going to help make me healthier and it's going to reduce my stress. But something as simple as this timing could be not only throwing off your fitness, but even increasing your stress and affecting your sleep. Definitely. Which affects your ability to repair. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so great that you take this holistic approach because, you know, in personal training school, they don't teach you all of those things. They really just teach you exercise and maybe like a little bit about how you need to rest and, and eat right. But it leaves so many of us like, if that, if that, right, <laughs> depending on the, on the course that you take. And so I like that you're really spreading this awareness through your podcast, The Fitness Oracle, which I had the honor of being on. So thank you again. Um, but on this podcast, John really, he shares inspiring conversations with a bunch of different guests and he also does a bunch of solo episodes. So I would recommend you going to check it out if you're listening and you've enjoyed this conversation. He has a lot of great content over there. I know I have loved listening to it. So John, I have a question for you. What do you feel like is one of the most life-changing things that you've learned from a guest on your show? From a guest? Mm-hmm. Because I know I've learned a lot from my guests. Oh, I've, I've had close to 75 guests. Um, I think the most, the most amazing thing that I've actually picked up was when I had, uh, in my early episodes, one lady who actually died and came back. Wow. And um, I still talk about this like two, almost two years later, three years later. And it's like uh, what she saw, what she felt and 
the fact that she didn't want to come back, but she was kind of forced to come back because she didn't fulfill. She wasn't ready to go there. That was the most inspiring uh, guest that I had. There's, they've all been, they've all been amazing. I mean, even you, you, I mean, I tried cutting some of the stuff. I'm like, I, I can't cut anything. The whole thing is gold. Oh, thanks. That's so cool though. A near death experience. I mean, I'm sure my story can't completely relate with that. And I love near death experiences because I think they each have something so impactful to teach us. So what would you say is like the one thing from that conversation that has stuck with you? Death is not the end. Death is just a change. One that one every single human being is gonna uh, is going to experience, and just because our physical bodies are have a limited time span, we are not limited to any time span. We are immortal, and we will live forever. Um, may not be in this form, may be in another form, but we will always be around one way or another. Yeah, I love that. That's beautifully put. And so I would definitely, like I said, recommend go checking that out. I know I'm going to go searching for that episode after. So I will, I'll link it in the episode descriptions that you guys can all check it out too. And so to wrap it up a bit here, what would you say, John, is like the number one takeaway that you really would love our listeners to remember from this conversation? Um, If people are suffering from like loneliness, because of what we've been through the last two and a half, three years, um, you're not alone. Uh, There's a lot of people out there that um, may not be going through what you're going through, but something similar. Um, And now's the time for, for us to be a part more of a community rather than any other time. So just know that you're not alone. And um, there are other people that are going through what you're going through. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. There's just because it's darkness doesn't mean that there's no light. There is a light and you just got to see it for yourself. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And I mean, we're so lucky in today's world that even if people around you maybe aren't as supportive, there's so much support that you can find online. I know that's been really helpful for me. So where where can our listeners connect with you after listening, John? They can go directly to my website. I give, I'm giving away a free ebook that I wrote, The Four Pillars of Fitness, and it's an action plan to um, get your self in kind of like a little bit of a reset at vofitness.ca. Or if you want to check out my social, uh, my social accounts, uh, there's just too many of them. Uh, so I created one simple link that everybody can, anybody can go to. It's link tr.ee forward slash resilient reboot productions has all my links to all my social media accounts. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link all of that in the description below so that you guys can all go and check him out and all the great work that he's doing. Thanks again for joining me today, John. Thank you, Nicole. It was a pleasure. And thank you everyone for sticking with us to this point in the conversation. I really hope you've enjoyed it and been as inspired as I know I have. 
Um, if you've enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world if you could leave a review. It really helps this podcast to get in front of more anxious and ambitious people just like you. And we'll see you next time.